Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. to the nine foot homemade oak bar pour yourself a cold one my name is chris his name is craig 30 minutes of bucks all pirates talk for fans by fans and my friend they are sitting down and talking to each other and then they are getting up and going into separate corners and they are having discussions amongst themselves and somebody's calling somebody like bob nutting and saying hey bob you're gonna have to budge a little bit because remember if there's 30 it's, it's 32 teams, right? It's 32 teams in Major League Baseball, Craig? 30. 30 teams. I gave them two expansion teams there. If there's 30 teams, eight of them could say, I don't want this deal, and they don't have enough votes, the, the owners. That's how this works. So all you need is something that eight teams hate, and instantly they can't agree with whatever the players are proposing. But the good news is they're going into rooms, they're talking, they're leaving those rooms, and they're going right back into them. And they spoke on and off throughout the entire day today. And so I believe we're getting close to a resolution. You, you're negative. I don't think you believe that at all. Um, I feel like there is a sense of urgency here. I And when you're saying like they come out of the rooms, I, I see like, you know, Rob Manfred and and uh, and Tony Clark like sitting like ringside and like getting like wiped down by a trainer. and Right. Like, spit bottles and stuff and it's like okay you, you ready to go back in there champ and but the, here's the thing is they did decide like you know not i guess you point this out to me they did decide some stuff they did make some concessions and they're moving more towards each other it's a slow process but i think eventually like the big thing that's got to happen and it could happen by the time that people listen to this the big thing is is like the the collective uh, bargaining, the, the collective balance tax threshold, like the the soft cap or whatever you want to call it. That's a big thing for the players. They want to see it go up more. Um, there's also that piece of that bonus pool uh, management. You know, they came up a little bit, and the goofy part is, Chris, is you saw like that the uh, players went like back up on their last proposal. They were like, you know what? We're not going back down anymore. They went back up to like 115 million, but they would, they took away like 20% of the, the ARB players that would fall into, you know, that super two status, that bonus pool status. Yeah. You know what? Let's get into that for just a quick second. So people understand this. So what, what the proposal is or what's going back and forth here is the players want for guys who don't have contracts yet, for guys going into arbitration, they want if they hit a certain mark, if they perform a certain way, they get more money. And it makes sense to you and me. It makes sense to most people. But the problem is I think that this does not make sense to at least eight Major League Baseball teams. If you operate like uh, the Tampa Bay Rays and you you penny pinch down to the dime 
And you're doing things where like when when you're re-upping a guy before his arbitration years, you're actually cutting 10% of his salary no matter what he did because they've done that before. And they've got it all worked out. And they know exactly where every dollar is going. They don't want to hand out $10 million in extra money because somebody that they brought up who they drafted, who comes up and does exactly what they expect him to do because that's how the Rays operate. They don't want that guy who they're supposed to be getting on the cheap performing really well because that's how they built everything. They don't want to all of a sudden have to turn around and give him $10 million or $5 million or some big escalator that they didn't plan for. They don't have in the budget and they can't survive if they have to do it ruins how they do business. Same thing with Bob Nutting. Bob Nutting likes a low payroll. Bob Nutting doesn't want to give out a bunch of money all of a sudden unexpectedly to a guy because he did good. You don't want to do that. And I think there's a lot of owners out there who don't want to give out a ton of money. And that's why they're so far apart. That's why Major League Baseball is like, we'll have $15 million in that pool. And, may, and, and, the, and the Players Association wants $150 million Because there's a big difference there. And the reason why I see it going up in like $5 million at a time with the owner side is because they're trying to drag that group of owners that doesn't want it at all. They're trying to drag them at least closer to the center before they look at the players and say, that's it. There isn't another dime left. These are the names of the owners that refuse the budge and they're willing to not even play baseball this year over it. And, and I think that's one of those things that is an example to me. If I had to, if somebody said, bet your hard earned dollars, Chris, on where there's a holdout from a small group of teams, but just enough that they can veto any deal that, that right there is one of those things that a very small number of owners is actually keeping the majority of owners from getting a deal done on. Because I think there are certain teams that operate in a way in which it would crush them if they go out and they draft a player, they have control of him, and he goes out and gets MVP votes and and sets a bunch of different marks when normally they would pat themselves on the back and say, great scouting, and we only had to pay him $500,000 this year. And not, now they got to pay him $5 million because the pool's $150 million for all these pre-arb guys getting spread around, and your guy just earned $5 million of that pot. And that's a big deal to some of these teams, the way that they operate. So I think that's a big sticking point, and they're going to have a hard time getting it anywhere close to what the players want. And that's where I kind of like fall in the middle, Chris, because I understand where the players are coming from to a degree because, you know, a player like Brian Reynolds has like an all-star season, a five-plus war season, no matter like which way, you know, you look at it, whether you're using B-war or you're using Fangraph's war. And he does get, I think, like a few MVP votes, falls, you know, around like 11, like 10 or 11 or something on that. And to me, I'm thinking, yeah, that's a guy making, you know, $600,000 a year. Do I think he probably deserves more? Yeah, but I could see what you're saying with the owner saying, you know what, this is what we budgeted for Brian Reynolds this year. And if he does well, that's good. But we're also, you know kind of in a rebuild here. So we don't want to shell out that money. But then I see the players end where they're looking at it and going, yeah, I performed this well. And they want those contracts, those big contracts towards the end to pay for, you know, what you have done, not exactly what you're going to do. Because it's like, you know what? As I was playing really, really well there for for different parts of my career, I, I probably didn't get as much money as as I made for the team. So, I mean, I understand that 
it shouldn't be like, you know, I, I do kind of go against those types of contracts, but I at least see inside the player's mind that it's like, you know what? I played for pennies for the first, you know, at least like four or five years until you get to like one of those like final arbitration years. And then it's like, look how much I, I how well I did for you and how little I got paid. Right. Well, here's the thing. I think that eventually the number will come up to be something closer to what the players want. I think that the owners that are holding out, though, are going to make sure there's more money being spread uh, around amongst teams. It's going to be like, oh, you want us to be able to cover this? And we're a small market team? And you want us to be able to cover it if one of our guys unexpectedly has a big year and now all of a sudden we got to come up with this money? There's, There's more of a pot that we get to pull from where the teams share it. And I think that there'll be something worked out amongst the owners that'll get worked into the deal just so that they can cover some of these teams and they can get their vote. They need to be able to get enough guys from the ownership pool to say, okay, I'm in. And I don't think they have enough for that for that one sticking point. I think that's going to be a big deal. Now, on the other hand, I'm super excited about the fact that they're they're doing what they're doing where they're meeting in one place. They go off, they break off, they have a conversation, they go back again. When I negotiated contracts as the head of a union and everything was really slow and you'd meet like once every three, four weeks and you'd show up for 20 minutes, you'd exchange proposals and you'd be done for the day. It was infuriating to me and I never understood why you couldn't get into a room and much like what's going on now with the season coming up. I remember a time where the fiscal year was ending and now management wanted it done. And it made more money or made more sense for them fiscally to be able to get the contract done by a certain date. And now all of a sudden we're having meetings every day and we're doing what they're doing right now, which is go in, talk, break off people who might need to be called temperatures that need to be taken within the groups on the ownership side and the player side, or in my case, uh, the, the union side and management side. And, and then you go back into the room and be like, okay, I think we can get a little bit closer to what you want, but there's no way we're getting to that. All right. We think we can do this. And then what starts happening is to clear the muddied waters. You start throwing things out. You start saying, okay, well, we're definitely just not going to ask for this anymore. I know we asked for it earlier, but we're going to get rid of it. And Major League Baseball started doing that today. They started pulling things off the table that they had originally asked for. So one of the things that they went out and did is they withdrew their proposal asking the union to allow uh, MLB to control to reduce minor league roster sizes. And they withdrew their proposal limiting the number of times a player can be optioned. And so they, they started pulling things off that weren't that important to them. That they were like, ah, we can deal with this the next time around. We don't need this this time. They're trying to clear the amount of pieces of paper on the table that need to be signed off on. That, to me, is more progress on Monday than what we saw for the first two months of this, the first three months of this, ever since the lockout came out on December the 1st. That, that is the most progressive thing because there's things being taken off the table and they're going back after having their little caucuses off to the side and they will do it again the next day and again the next day because nobody wants to delay the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, they're they're coming up to it now because they do have like that, I don't know if it's like a, a soft line in the sand of, what is it, if February 28th, if they don't have it done by then, then it looks like that that could cut into games because players are saying we need, you know, at least, you know, four weeks to ramp up. And 
and I don't doubt that that they do, especially, I mean, players are, I feel like it's not like it was, you know, back in the day, Chris, we're old. It's not like the guys who are like off pounding beers and like taking heaters and then all of a sudden like came up to spring training and it's like, oh crap, I got to kind of get back into shape. And that wasn't everybody, but there were some players that were doing that. Now, these guys have like, you know, their BMIs taken every day and they're like, they're hooked up to, the, the balls are hooked up to computers and their stuff's spinning and you're looking at like... I'm sorry, their ball... Well, I'm sorry, their balls are hooked up to computers? Well, not not their physical balls. Their, uh, I oh, guess it would be the balls you, they're holding I mean, in their that, hands. That maybe was the weirdest <laughs> thing you've ever said on this show. In two and a half years, I couldn't figure out what the heck you were talking about. You're like, they checked their BMI and their balls are hooked up to computers. I'm like, they're what? What are they doing? You're talking they're 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 paying attention to the pitching. They're 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 yes. taking speed. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I wanted to understand what you would Okay. I was confused. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Carry yeah. on. That's an image <laughs> yeah. I won't get out of my head for the rest of the week. Yeah, you're gonna have that you're gonna have that rattling around in your brain yeah. for yeah. for the rest of the week. Yeah. But yeah, how'd you how'd you pitch today, Mitch? Great. They got your balls hooked up? Totally. All right. All right. <laughs> just jogged there for twenty minutes and you know, try not to get them tangled. But no, so there's there's just so much more going on now that I mean these guys are on like specific workout regimens not only from the teams which I mean here's the thing is they weren't allowed to talk to the teams but they had stuff set up like beforehand they had everything worked out of what they wanted guys to work on and there's you know probably hooked them up with places people to go see hey hey call this guy they're real good with this. Here's somebody in your area. Do you know what I mean? So I, I it's so much different now that, yeah, you got to get like rev back up for those, you know, like get from three innings to four innings to five innings. But for the most part, they come in like kind of ready to roll. Yeah, I think we're going to get crappy baseball for the first month. I, I, I do. I think they'll start on time, but they won't get enough spring training in. I think we'll get crappy baseball. We're going to get well, like four inning it, pitching uh, starts and just, just crappy baseball in the first month because they want you to pay full price for not the full product. Trust yeah, me, that's what they're going to do. But here's the thing is even, there's even sometimes where, I mean, I feel like sometimes we're so happy to see baseball. We we don't notice how, I wouldn't say bad the product is at time, but how inconsistent the product is at a time. Uh, the pitchers are usually ahead of the hitters, so the hitters kind of kind of fall behind. The pitchers look a lot better, and in this instance, you know maybe the pitchers aren't ramped up, and the the hitters don't have their timing down. So, I think that like some teams, they be like, oh, we got off to a hot start, and and I've looked back at some of those, and it's like, man, this team is really good. Then there's other times, it's like, yeah, we got off to a hot start because we just had a couple of guys that were raring and ready to go and hit the cover off the ball, or we had a couple guys that, you know, were, you know, zoning in on their pitches really well. And you had some, you know, a few good outings and stuff like that. So I, I do agree, Chris, that I, I think it's going to be maybe a, a little bit less of the product that we see like later on in the season. But even guys then when there's like full off season stuff still have to get ramped up a little bit. I'm burned out when it comes to all this this talk about the CBA. I really am. I'm, I'm burned out on it. They're going to come up with a deal, and, and to be honest with you, I really don't care what the deal is. I don't care. The only things I'd be interested in is um, do the playoffs change? 
Like there was that proposal that came out late in the, or that word late in the week that they might end up putting 14 teams in the postseason. I'd be interested if that's what they do. That'll be something I'll be curious as a fan. But some of the stuff I really don't care about. I just want them to get it done. So I'm I'm burned out on it. I don't want to spend the rest of the show on it. You got my brain working because last time you went off and and rightfully so about you know the people who are like the vendors and the restaurants and everything that are planning on you know how how they're going to get through uh, this not having baseball and a lot of times right now I mean uh, Jason Mackey for the PG wrote a great piece. Uh, talking to all the business owners down in Bradenton of of how much money they usually make uh, at this time, like when they have a regular, normal, you know, spring training, which after the pandemic shortened one, after uh, last year where there was limited fans and, and limited exposure to finally getting that, you know, that real one, so, so everybody, go go and read that. It was it was a really nice piece, and it was, it was basically what Chris had been talking about uh, during the last show. But the thing that you that really stuck in my head was when you mentioned Westworld, and you talked about the robo umps basically like taking over and like people getting kidnapped and oh, different yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I was I, I was I was disappointed that I did not uh, get a chance to be lighthearted and uh, make that comparison. I think that's what I said. Yeah, so basically I thought that if the robo-umps were going to take anybody, Chris, of right. course they're going to take us. Like, you know, two two jamokes sitting down in our basement where drinking beer. Where are they beer, taking talking. us, though? Where, where do we get taken to? I hadn't really fleshed this idea out yet. So the robot-umps lose their minds. They start taking hostages. They drag people off. Um, it, hopefully it's the fun parts of Westworld and not the, the terrifying parts of Westworld, if you know what I mean. But... But like, yeah, let's, to, let's, to me, to me, I almost thought it was like a Loki situation where they take us to like that that holding ground where you, you don't really know what's going on, but you're still interacting with people. So they they probably take a bunch of just random fans and just put them there. So now there's like a multi dimensional universe that the robot ums took us to. I, I mean, possibly. I mean, you are Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is coming out much, soon. So I mean, that's my brain tonight. All right, all but, right. I'll follow you down this crazy path because it is crazy. So let's let's say that we're dragged off. We're dragged off by the robot umps for how long? Uh, for the entire season, for we come season. back. We come back after the World Series. Okay, and we it's know the over. Pirates aren't going to be in the World Series, right? Yes. So they they plop us back in here, and and we can't. Here's the one the one thing I put in there is you cannot see what the Pirates' record was, because okay. that would be an easy way to find out if the season was successful. Okay. So my thing was, is that, I mean, in this big conglomeration, I could have just asked you, hey, Chris, what do you think the Pirates need to do to have a successful season? But that's just not as fun in my no, head. No, but instead what you did is you took this really weird path. But I'm, I'm trying to stay on the path with you. Okay, so, so what you're telling me is, what are things that I would want to see when I'm returned back from wherever interdimensional holding area that the robot Westworld umpires have taken me to. You must be so high. Okay. It, 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 where, what would I want to see that would indicate to me that it had been a successful season? And the first thing I want to say is that I wouldn't need to look at the record because the record shouldn't matter to pirates fans when you're trying to determine a successful season, because this season you're not winning the world series. And what you want to do is you want to get closer and you need to take some big steps in a lot of ways to be closer to that in the middle of this rebuild. So I would say the first thing that I would want to see 
is I would want to know what Mitch Keller's record was and what his stats were. Did Mitch Keller pitch well? Because it's going to make a big difference in the rebuild if all of a sudden he realizes the potential that we all thought he had a couple of years ago. And it's going to be more of a hindrance to the team. And the rebuild may take a little longer if he has a crappy season. He bounces between AAA and the major leagues and he never amounts to very much. And, and, and here's the thing I want to, I want to illustrate this to you, Craig, because I find, I, I want to ask you this question today. I was talking to a friend of ours that's in our fantasy baseball league and he has Chris Bassett. Uh, I think Chris Bassett's 30, 31 years old. So he'd have to, he'd have to use him as one of his four guys that he keeps in the league that are over 30 years old in this dynasty fantasy baseball league. So it's not like he automatically gets to hold on to him. And he was offered straight up Mitch Keller and he didn't want to make the deal. He had no faith in Mitch Keller. And I told him, I'm like, well, if Keller turns it around, that's a heck of a piece for your fantasy team for like the next decade. And he was like, yeah, but I don't think he's going to turn it around. Would you have taken that deal? I mean, even not being a homer, I, I think I still probably would have taken that deal. Okay. But here's the other thing: is it's also it's also where his team's at in the in his p- process. As we know, my team stinks. I'm a kind of half rebuilding team, so me taking that type of, you know, almost like a lottery ticket at that point in time, right? It would make more sense for me. I mean, I could probably if if Bassett has like a, a decent year, like you know, get something later on, but you know you're not getting Mitch Keller at that point if Mitch Keller's pitching well. Right. So the the idea behind this would be, do you think Mitch Keller is going to be good? And you're saying, yeah, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to improve, and I think he's going to be a viable pitcher in the in the Pirates organization for years to come. And it's not all bad. That that would That's what you would need to feel if you're going to make that trade. So you feel that way. I mean, to a degree. I, I feel like there's a, I at least have a glimmer of hope. I haven't had this glimmer of hope about color since at least the beginning of 2019. Okay. So I, I don't know if it's really rejuvenated based on like all the video I watched. Cause we had an episode a little while back that I, I'm not completely buying into that hype, but I just feel like that there is, there's just something he actually, he's a good pitcher. He hasn't shown it. But I just I feel like that there is like there's something in there. So I would take the gamble there. And you know, I could I could end up flat on my face like I always do in this league because I'm the worst or second worst team in the league. <laughs> All right. So so my thing is getting back to your crazy mushroom induced um uh thing with robot umps in a parallel dimension. When returned back at the end of the season, I would want to know how Mitch Keller did. I think that would indicate to me whether or not it was a successful season. That that would be one factor to me. What would be a factor for you? Well, here's the thing is I got to cross that one straight off because that was the number one thing on my list. That's the first thing I would have <laughs> I looked at. I stole it from you. That's awesome. And so I'm going to go to the second one, and I'm going to go to Cabrian Hayes. Okay. We need to see. Uh, the first thing I'm going to look at at Cabrian Hayes before I even look at any of the stats is games played and played appearances. We need to see that full season of Cabrian Hayes at the plate to know exactly what we have from him. 
because it's it's almost written in stone that if he plays a decent amount of the season, you're getting at least two to two and a half war from him just from his defense. And let's just say two, like on this on the safe side, just from how good his defense is. The first thing I'm gonna look is at games played. Then I'm going to go to the war, and I'm going to see, okay, you know, defense must have been pretty good, but that's going to tell me about the offense. And from him, I mean, I'm not looking for much. I'm actually looking for him to be even a just above league average hitter and seeing him be healthy the entire season. Of course, would I like to see him do more? But for me, I mean, we actually have to finally see a full season of Cabrian Hayes. It can't be that one month. It can't be the one and a half, one one game. What was it? It was one game and one at bat, and then not see him for sixty games, and then expect you know him to come back and hit the ground running. It, it didn't happen. So the first thing I'm actually going to look at from him: games played and plate appearances. If he's been healthy, I mean, I would hope that he's near like that, you know, up over three war for the entire season. And that will give me, you know, some faith moving forward that you don't have to look to replace him or have to look for a backup plan that you actually have him for, you know, a few more years here and you have a healthy Brian Hayes. Kind of along the line that you looked at, I'm going to be looking at games played as well. Um, But I'm going to be looking at a group of names. And they're going to be guys like O'Neill Cruz, uh, Pagaro, Roanzi Contreras, Marcano, maybe even Swaggerty. How many of these guys showed up in the majors and got to play for some time? And when they did it, uh, they showed something. Because the rebuild's in serious doubt right now because we don't know what we have and what it's, what's going to happen when it gets here. And on top of that, I want to look down in the minors and see development. To me, the major league team is not as important to this season as what's going on in the minor leagues. And at the major league level, what I'm really paying attention to are the young guys and the pieces that are supposed to just start to come together or show up because this is a build. And that that's why I, again, would not judge how the Pirates season went by record. I think it's probably at the bottom of the list in in terms of things that I'm looking at this season and how I'm going to judge if it was a good year or a bad year. It's more about development. It's all about advancement of players and did they hit the marks they needed to hit to move up and possibly end up on the major league roster for some time. And that's actually not a bad thing to look at. As as far as like development went, uh, I was thinking like, and I I just, I'm I'm (laughs) hoping for healthy years for everybody uh because when you were talking about the development side i thought about you know ronzi Contreras missing a couple months o'neill cruz missing a couple months and then you go down a little bit further nick gonzalez missing some time michael burrows missing time carmen majinski missing time and there were just so many guys that had chunks of their season taken away and especially like not having a season the year before so, I mean, in, in wanting to see development, I, I'd want to see development, I'd want to see health, and I'd want to see if, the other thing I'd be looking for, Chris, I'd want to see if 
I'd go straight to the transactions page and I would go month to month and just look through the transaction pages. And like you said, see who's going up and down, see who's getting time. But then I'm also looking to see if a player like a Chris Stratton's move for anything. If, you know, Ben Gamble can fit in as the fourth outfielder on a team that needs like a good bench bat. If Yoshi, you know, starts to to do something because I mean, he'll take this one-year deal. This is this is kind of what Yoshi wanted. But if he starts hitting, I mean, you might as well trade him because he's not coming back to the Pirates unless it's for an even bigger amount of money, which, I mean, is always possible, but I would still be looking to deal him. So I would definitely look at the transaction pages and see you know where guys have been moved to, see what guys have come up. And just kind of see like if Ben Sherrington has finally stopped like the weekly waiver wire dumpster dive, like pickup of the week. I mean, that's that's something that honestly, Chris, it, it could have been like a, a just a, an entire segment on every one of our podcasts from from last year, which was, okay, which person did, you know, Ben Sherrington get, get off of someone else's heap? And I, I hope that stops. So that would show me that you're heading in the right direction because it basically means if you're not going out and trying to find like the dumpster diving type stuff you were doing before, which sometimes can work out, most times doesn't, it basically means that you are maybe the guys that you have on your 26-man roster are performing well or that the guys that have actually made it up to AAA, like a a Cannon Smith and Jigba, a Jack Sawinski, all these guys that were the added to the 40 man, like you're saying a Pagero, possibly getting, you know, a cup of coffee or something at some point in time. If you see those types of things starting to happen, you would hope that there would at least be some, you know, success in that. And that those guys would at least get that experience or that they performed well enough at AAA that they forced his hand to, to make room up at the major league roster. You know, and the other thing that I want to know at the end of the year when I take a look around and I wonder how the heck a bunch of robot umpires took me to another dimension and then I returned in one piece, uh, I would I want to know where Jose Quintana is playing. Because if I found out he was moved at some point during the season because he had a good first half and he found that thing that made him special early in his career and he does one of those renaissance things that a lot of pitchers will do it around his age and he's now part of something where a team is making a postseason run, it also means that the Pirates picked up something good for him. Yeah, and as as a guy like myself who's who's big into the the drafts and stuff, I would probably I probably go to the MLB draft next and see what Ben Sherrington, you know, college college baseball has just started. Um a lot of people aren't, you know, huge into it. I, I always have been. I, I don't know why. I'm I'm a I'm a West Virginia Mountaineers baseball fan, have been since I was in high school. Through the bad years and the good. And actually probably annoy my wife by plugging in the, the headset and listening to the games because I, I couldn't I couldn't watch them or whatever. But I I'm a I'd want to see which direction Ben Sherrington went in the draft to see if he went for another college bat, a possible fast mover in the first round, if he if he was able to get more of like a, a high school lottery ticket piece. What whatever he's going for, I I'd want to see you know, that type of thing. Cause it kind of seems like, you know, the first two years, Nick Gonzalez, Henry Davis, two of like, you know, 
the top hitters in, in college baseball for those years and hoping that you can move them quicker through the system. I mean, if if Ben Sherrington has one of those college guys sitting there and, and takes a, 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 you know, I don't know if it's like a, a dartboard on, on one of the high school players, no matter how good they are, I, I would start to think about, you know, what direction or what point he feels like the rebuild is in. Feels like he has enough players towards the top right there. And that, you know, we're we're starting to build for hopefully what he calls his second wave or what we would all call a second window. Um, but I'd be really interested to see how, you know, what he does in the draft this year. All right. So basically we don't care about the record when we get to the end of the season. We're waiting to see what steps are taken on this team. Are they going to get to the end of the season? And then you're sitting there saying, oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy. This guy's a talent. Can't wait till next year when two more guys come up, when we're able to make a move as things start growing. The stagnation uh, of the Pirates over the last couple of years needs to end. I think that's the most important thing that has to happen. It cannot be a stagnant team in a perpetual rebuild. And I think if you're not one of those at the end of the year, it was a successful season. If the arrow is pointed up and you're feeling good, it was a successful season. Okay? No matter what the record is, that's what we're looking for. And we just need them to start the season now. Just just start it. Just start it on time. Just start the season. And let's go play ball. Now I see the changes in this town. They change. They say one thing, but then the next day. 